1: Today on NASCAR America, the million-dollar man put his competition to sleep in Charlotte. But did Saturday's also Race cause an awakening among fans? The beginning of a legendary week starts right now.
2: to say thank you to the aero department the fab shop all the guys uh, in the engineering cfd side of things and a special thanks to the roush yates engine department they put a lot of effort they love restrictor plate racing and we won
1: Kevin Harvick does it again, this time for a million bucks. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody, presented by Mobile One. Carolyn Mano here with Landon Castle. And we have Jeff Burton as well, who is joining us from his garage in North Carolina. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to some of the big moments from Saturday's Monster Energy All Star Race. And Jeff, it begins with something that I can't remember seeing in a while three wide at Charlotte.
3: Yeah, this was fun. Three wide. We saw it an awful lot on on this night, and uh, we saw it early, and we saw it often. 4-wide, however, Carolyn, does not work. We can see right here, Sinaus tried to make a move underneath Truex, and it just wasn't enough room, Landon. Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely go
4: 3-wide at the end of the back stretch of Charlotte, but this, with this package, we could run 3-wide through the corners. It was You could advance your position that way.
1: Also, an incident here, Landon, uh, between Kyle Larson and Joey Logano.
4: Yeah, I saw this at first and thought, I didn't know if it was intentional or not. You get stuck to the wall, jerk the wheel back down, but at that point in the race, I think Lagana was just frustrated.
1: It was an exciting night, uh, Jeff, for fans. Aside from this incident, take us through the final restart, through a, a big win for Kevin Harvick.
3: Well, this restart, if we break it down. We can see these two cars on the bottom. They're pushing each other. Denny Hamlin gets up the racetrack. And right now, Suarez is a, about an inch away from having him cleared and being able to turn in front of Harvick, but just didn't quite clear him. And, that was all it took for Harvick to get in front. So it's a game of inches, even at you know at that fast of speeds, a little bit of track position makes a lot
2: of difference.
1: Let's hear from Kevin Harvick.
2: Well, we already knew he was an all-star, but he's proven it again in the all-star race. Kevin, how in the world did you get that done tonight? Yeah, that was wild. You know, I think as you, as you look at the the end of the third stage there, that was really the key to the, to the win for us. We didn't need to be in traffic. Uh, our car was super fast. Our Jimmy John's Ford was super fast, um, but traffic was not our friend. So uh, that's the reason I kept picking the outside on those restarts. And I, I thought Joey would be a great pusher there at the end, and he was. And we just needed to stay door-to-door to the exit of turn two, And if we could do that, I thought we would go back by. But I I just wasn't handling good enough to stay on the bottom and have somebody right against my door. So it all worked out. We were able to to get where we needed to be at the end of the third stage and and hold the track position. You were talking about the traffic because of the third stage. You found yourself back there because of everybody's strategies. So what was it like driving back there? Well, for us, when we when we got back there uh, on new tires, it wasn't that bad. We were going forward the whole time. It's just a matter of picking and choosing your spots. And, you know, we had about eight or ten laps there that, that the car would handle really good. And it was super fast. I mean, uh, Doug Gates and everybody at Roush H Engines and the, and the Fab Shop and everybody in the aero department built a super fast car. It just wasn't very comfortable to drive and would push a little bit up off the corner in traffic. But out front, it was a bullet. You guys nailed it. Do you do it again? Should this package be used again and where? Well, you know, I think I think we just need to sit down and really think about, you know, the preparation of, of where everybody was at in the garage tonight. You know, my biggest fear in situations like this is is all right. Well, this was an exciting night, and uh, let's do it. And then everybody really starts working on it. I think I'd like to see it, and I'd like to see it in three or four uh, more race conditions, and just make sure that you know we get it through next year and, and see exactly what the quirks of it are, what it's like when everybody's a hundred percent prepared. I mean, most of us didn't have backup cars. And, and such for, for this particular package. and So when you see everybody come with everything that they've got, it'll be interesting to see what the race looks like, if it looks different. Um, but, it, I, look, I, I enjoy change. I enjoy different. I'm glad that they did it for the all-star race, and I think five years down the road you'll look back to tonight and say that was the start of whatever it is.
5: Kudos to NASCAR for trying something, right? We, we as competitors come into this racetrack and say, you know, the heck with it. We'll go for anything. And, uh, at least NASCAR has the same attitude. You know, it's the race that you have nothing to lose and they looked at it that way. And, um, I I don't want this to come across like the, the race package that we have on on normal weekends is bad. I think the Coco 600 is going to be a great race. I I don't think this is discredits that at all. Um, but I'm glad we tried something.
1: So our Dave Burns bringing up, uh, Jeff and Landon, the million-dollar question after a million-dollar race, which is what happens next? But for now, we have an entire hour to unpack all the layers of this. So I just want to start, if I can, with the race itself, Saturday night. Jeff, what did you see that you liked about Saturday night?
3: Well, I, for me, just the closeness of the competition. And, and I really didn't know what was going to happen. It, it, it kept me watching. Even when Harvey did get the lead, uh, I thought at any moment they might could run back to him and I think if they ever gotten single file, they would have been able to run back to him. So, uh, you know, what I love about racing is I love competition. Uh, and in a special night like the the All-Star race, it needs to be door-to-door competition. And that's what we got on, on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the reduced horsepower is, is a good thing. You know, as drivers, we always want big horsepower in our cars. But in this scenario, you're carrying a lot of throttle time. And it gives you that opportunity to make really aggressive moves with that extra downforce. And... With, with reduced horsepower, the leader doesn't just run away from you um, when you make a mistake behind him. You can kind of gather it back up, and you're still sucking back up and
3: using the arrow to get back up to the rear bumper.
1: Yeah, we did see a pass it, for the lead as well. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead.
3: Uh, yeah, and, and like right now, we're watching we're watching a lot of footage, and, and what we see is we see two wide. We see Martin Truex Jr. with the lead. Kyle Busch with people behind him turns left is going to be able to clear him right here. And and that's what I want to see. I want to see that kind of racing. And and by the way, the racing behind the lead is fascinating. So what are you doing to get yourself in position to have a chance to get to the lead? We saw a lot of that happen on Sunday. Not or Saturday, Saturday night rather. Not every race is going to be a great battle for the for the win. In many cases the best battle's so for third, fourth, fifth and that's what we saw. We saw a battle throughout the entire field. Yeah, I mean, I think the side
4: draft is something that's so important at these racetracks, and you can see how they're kind of favoring the middle part of the racetrack and the outside line, and that's because it's easier to side draft from the outside of somebody than it is from the inside. So, those guys get to the outside of someone, they suck down on their quarter panel, it slows them down, but it slows them both down, and then the cars behind them, they all kind of just pounce on the back of them, and and that's what just creates the seesaw effect of three-wide racing and side-by-side racing over and over again.
1: And I know you uh, pointed to a specific incident involving Jimmy Johnson or an instance involving Jimmy Johnson <laughs> that you saw that really kind of flagged for you.
4: Yeah, absolutely. There was this really cool moment into turn one um, where Kyle Larson here is behind Jimmy, has a good run. And there's two things I want to point out. Number one, Kyle has a ton more down force than usual. It gives him this chance to thread the needle jump to the outside inches away from the wall and when he gets to the outside of jimmy's quarter panel like that jimmy goes from having 400 horsepower to what seems like 250 horsepower and you can see just this huge run on the cars behind him that they they can just attack jimmy into turn three he lost his momentum he's got to gather it back up and i think in the future jimmy's gonna be thinking about how can i block that move but this package gave kyle the uh, the opportunity with the extra down force to thread the needle on the outside um, the reduced horsepower gave him on-throttle time in the middle of the corner to use that momentum to get to the outside of Jimmy, and, and Jimmy was penalized. He had reduced horsepower down the straightaway with, with the air on top of his spoiler and uh, he was probably banging his steering wheel all the way down the straightaway in frustration and, and had to regroup and, and gather it back up.
1: Jeff, how important is it for, you mentioned what was happening behind the leaders or behind the lead car. How important is those changes, that competition coming a little closer together for fans who are trying to enjoy this experience and for people who want to see whether or not this is going to be a kernel for something that could potentially change what we see on mile-and-a-half tracks moving forward?
3: Hey, Carolyn, I think that, all-Star race was a perfect opportunity to try this. You know, I've been advocating to take the All-Star race away from Charlotte Motor Speedway and take it to an historic racetrack because the racing hasn't been good. And and but if the racing's good, then you don't need gimmicks. You don't need crazy things where you have to add up points to determine who's going to start where. The key is good racing for this All-Star event, and that's what we had on on Saturday. So, uh, you know, I didn't see anything I didn't like uh, from a from an All-Star. Uh, Format. I I do think that there's a lot to talk about in regards to a normal mile-and-a-half race. I think there's a lot still still to be discussed. But, you know, I I certainly left Saturday night, and I was with a group of people uh, that we all watched the race together, and we all got finished dinner, and it was about the end of of stage two, and no one left. It kept everybody there. Everybody stayed to watch what was going to happen, and I think that's what's key. You have to have excitement on the racetrack if you want fans to watch. Jeff, what do you think the next steps look like and how, uh, who
4: makes this happen on a process-wise? You know, I, I can't imagine that, that the NASCAR executives are, uh, are balancing all these different voices and the owners and the drivers and the fans. You know, you have people that loved it. You have people that didn't love it. So who has to take the ball here? How, how, does, how does it get rolling and yeah. who do you have, whose voices do you have to balance?
3: Well, ultimately, NASCAR has got to take the ball, and and it's going to have to be their decision. Uh, You know, the car owners are going to be heavily uh, invested in the decisions that are made. You know, we as fans get to watch this and enjoy it. Uh, The car owners have to pay for it, and there's got to be a way for the car owners to be uh, in a situation where all the cost doesn't land on top of them. Uh, And then how it relates to a a mile-and-a-half track heading down the road Man, there's a lot to talk about because this is a fundamental change in what racing's always been about, and, and how you drive a race car, and 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 it is a major change. So there's some things when we, we heard some drivers talk about it, good, bad. Uh, I think the majority of the fan interaction was really good, uh, but I don't think I don't think it's as easy as saying this is what we need to do all the time. I do believe that it should be at Indy this year. I, I I've sat at enough Indy races. Uh, to, to know that something's got to change. And I was, you know, I covered last year's Xfinity race at Indy, and it was an unbelievable change from what it had been. I think at the Cup Series, it would be even a bigger change. And we have to do something completely different at Indy than what we've been doing. Sunday's Indy 500 is going to be fun to watch. The Brickyard 400 needs to be equally as fun. And to be quite honest, it hasn't been. So I think that Indy is just crying for this kind of a package.
1: And quickly, you would agree with that as well, that it belongs there?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, India's one, Michigan is another one where you have Fresh pavement, wide racetrack, tons of grip, and we could put on a heck of a show at that place with this package.
1: Well, we want to hear from you at home on the topic. It's what everybody's talking about this week. So it's our NASCAR America poll question for today. It involves the rules package that we saw on Saturday night. Should NASCAR use it again during the 2018 season? You heard what our analysts say. We'll talk more about it coming in the show. But in the meantime, you can cast your vote at NBCSports.com slash NASCARVote right now. Overwhelming majority saying yes, it belongs multiple places. We're going to get more into that topic ahead. Also, coming up on today's show, the starting grid is set for next weekend's Indianapolis 500. Where will Danica Patrick start for the final race of her career? On Wednesday, the next class of the NASCAR Hall of Fame will be decided. Will Jeff Gordon go in on his first try? And who else may join him? And we're also going to hang with defending Coca Cola 600 champ, Austin Dillon, as he gets a taste of the Army life in Mission 600.
6: It's awesome that I got to bring my team out here because these guys are all about team and working together. There. Yeah,
5: trusting it there, and that'll do a little safety so your knot doesn't come up. Perfect.
6: Go. Air assault. There you go. Higher. Air assault. There you go, one more high one. Air assault. We had a blast rappelling right. right. down the right. rappel wall. There you go, go down, go down. Go ahead and jump <laughs> up. There you go. Boom. Yeah, man. I've always been outdoors my entire life, hunting, fishing. And what the Army does is unbelievable. I definitely played a little Army going up, played paintball. I love, love the outdoors, so uh, this is special for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah! Hinchcliffe is bumped. My
5: goodness. I would have never said starting the month that Hinchcliffe would have been on the bubble.
0: Chaos as Pippa Mann's car got to the front of the line ahead of his, and that clock ticking down to the end of qualification. James Hinchcliffe will not be in the Indianapolis 500.
5: This is in no way Pippa Mann's fault. This is our fault. So... If there's anybody out there that's got anything bad to say about that, you don't know motorsports, and keep your mouth shut.
0: Starting ninth is pretty good for somebody who hasn't been here since 2011. It's only fitting that she ends her career here, and to have gotten into the fast nine is a phenomenal achievement. I'm grateful
5: for all the good days that I've had. Now it's time for um, 500 fun miles.
0: Is this the year that fate smiles upon the guy who, on the side of his helmet on that black stripe? It just says, Ed. I think we might have a surprise here. And Ed Carpenter.
5: everything to me to put us in a position like this. Hopefully we can keep doing this a long time.
1: So a dramatic weekend of Indy 500 qualifying that ended with Ed Carpenter taking pole position. He's also the team owner for Danica Patrick, who you saw will start seventh in her final race. And the big surprise IndyCar title contender, James Hinchcliffe failing to make the field of 33 starting fourth in the Indy 500 will be 2017 IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden and he's going to join us tomorrow in studio then on Wednesday it is our NASCAR Hall of Fame announcement special and Friday afternoon at 3 30 Eastern it's our motorsports special which gets you set for racing's biggest weekend it is a huge week on tap here and wednesday going to be a very special day for the sport from this group of 20 nascar legends five will become the nascar hall of fame's class of 2019 jeff gordon is on the ballot for the very first time for the 4 time champ induction into the hall of fame would be a fitting end of the rainbow
4: sweeter than a championship. The championship goes to Jeff Gordon. I feel like I've been making 300 championship victory laps because I wasn't
0: doing much racing out there. Jeff Gordon is going to win his second championship.
4: We didn't do it in style today, but we didn't style all year long.
5: This guy is a champion and today he joins the ranks of the legends. 13 wins in a single season. I I've said this a million times, but I cannot
3: believe this. Jeff Gordon has locked up the championship. I'm just absolutely blown away that this is our fourth time doing this. It seems like the first time all over again. Each one gets sweeter.
1: Jeff Gordon, one of the five first time nominees. The others are handsome Harry Gant, the dynamic ownership duo of John Holman and Ralph Moody, and four time champion crew chief, Kirk Shelmerdine. So a nice list there. And Landon, what do you think Sets Jeff Gordon apart. Many, of course, are saying that he is headed straight into the Hall of Fame. But for you, why does he deserve to be there?
4: Well, Jeff kind of comes from my generation of fans. So I grew up a kid, um, a Jeff Gordon fan. And I watched him transcend our sport the same way that Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods Transcended their own sports in in the mid 90s and early 2000s. He took NASCAR from what was kind of a, a growing regional uh, motorsport to a mainstream outlet. It had had huge attention. I mean, this is a guy in my mind is an A-list celebrity. He's not just a famous NASCAR driver. He's an A-list celebrity. Been on Saturday Night Live, sits front row at Victoria's Secret fashion shows. I mean, <laughs> this is a this is a hero um, of mine, of a uh, childhood hero of mine, but not just me. It, It's sort of a generation of of NASCAR fans. so For a millennial, a
1: front row seat at a Victoria's Secret fashion show means ultimate entry (laughs) into the Hall of Fame. (laughs) But, Jeff, why do you think it is that when someone that's outside the sport or has never seen a NASCAR race hears Jeff Gordon, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's the NASCAR driver. I mean, how was he able to cement his legacy in that way?
3: Well, he was just different. He came in and he didn't look like a NASCAR driver. He didn't look like the stereotypical uh, North Carolina raised, you know, guy, he looked like something different. He was younger than everybody else. And here's a young guy coming in and, and pushing the buttons of the, of the veterans. And, and he was, he was a lot of people's fan. You know, a lot of people really pulled for him because he was fresh His his, his the way he spoke. Uh, and he, and he backed up his words. Like he wasn't cocky in his words. He actually was anything, but, but on the racetrack, he was just so good. And, and, uh, I think anytime like somebody like that comes in, it, it, a group of young fans, especially, they grab onto him, and then uh, they did a great job of. of uh, at NASCAR was so hugely popular at, at that time, and then he was able to go do other things, and that the whole sport benefited from that. Uh, Jeff Gordon is without a doubt. I mean, he's going straight into the Hall of Fame. If there's ever been a first time ballot, he's he's the definition of that. So. Uh, and, and he has without a doubt earned
1: it. I think he'd be the fifth first-time ballot to gain entry into the Hall of Fame since this whole thing began in 2012. There are uh, 19 other very deserving people on that list as well, Jeff, which is what makes this decision so difficult. Jack Roush is among those being considered, and I know you know him very well. What do you think makes Jack Roush a Hall of Famer?
3: Well, so, so listen, I'm a believer that car owners shouldn't have to wait until they're no longer car owners to be in the Hall of Fame, and we saw Rick Hendrick. And, and Richard Childress, uh, that was the right thing to do. Uh, these guys, they spend a, an unbelievable amount of their life being car owners, and if they're successful, they're going to do it for a long time. So you get a guy like Jack uh, that, that he's a successful car owner, and that means he's still doing it. We shouldn't penalize him because he's still doing it. I think the thing that people don't realize about Jack is the number of people that he brought into the sport he wasn't a guy that went on the free agent market and 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 plucked people out. He was he kind of identified people when not many people knew who they were and said, I want that guy to do it. And uh he did it a little bit differently. But you look at the championships that he's won uh in NASCAR, the number of races that he's won. It's uh it's it's really impressive. So, you know, it's up for the panel to decide, but but there's a strong case that Jack should be in the Hall of Fame.
4: Yeah, I mean, and Jack is Almost like one of the last of the Mohicans, kind of. Um, he, he has been, he's, he's got such a technical mind, and, and he's such a hands-on guy. Um, I mean, I worked with Roush Fenway Racing last year uh, with a technical alliance, and Jack sat in most of the competition meetings and, and spoke in most of them. You know, he had, he, he's always watching those races, and, and that's how he's been through his entire career. He sort of led his team's. Um, with a hands-on sort of personality and inspired them in a technical fashion.
1: All right. Well, it was great to see who was nominated or eligible yeah. to be nominated this year. We'll have more on that later on this week. Meantime, when we come back today, it is back to Saturday's All-Star Race. NASCAR's rule package delivering what many consider to be a great show at Charlotte, but can it do the same at other tracks? More discussion on that topic when we come back.
0: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. It's game five, the Jets and the Golden Knights. Speedy with a shot. Score! 2-1 Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights are headed to the Stanley Cup Final.
1: And with that, the Vegas Golden Knights captured the Western Conference title. They now look to punctuate a historic first season with a Stanley Cup. But who will they face for hockey's ultimate prize? That is the question. The Tampa Bay Lightning can close out the Washington Capitals tonight in Game 6. Our coverage begins with NHL Live at 7 Eastern right here on NBCSN. So don't go anywhere. Meantime, this year's NASCAR playoffs begin in Las Vegas. And so far, six drivers have virtually guaranteed a playoff berth with a win, but on Saturday night, the focus was much more on the special rules package. And after the race, the drivers reacted to it.
5: Man, it's crazy. Um, just a crazy race in general. Uh, you know, <laughs> forward and back and forward and back.
4: <laughs> I hate to admit it, but the package was kind of fun, um, at times anyways. Uh, I'd hate to go this slow every week, but but I think for select tracks, it, it, it was pretty good.
5: I feel like it was fundraising. Um... A lot of, a lot of moving around on restarts. It was, it was good. Uh, it, I think it was, it was a lot of fun, and I
2: bet fans love it. Obviously, I, you know, I thought it was a great show. I thought uh, the racing was fun to, to watch and be a part of, and uh, we'll see where it takes it in the future. It was a,
5: a wild race. I actually had a lot of fun. Um, just different, you know, than, than what we typically see. For my seat, it was, it was a good time. Uh, tough to pass, you know.
4: You try and pull off to the bottom, and you would get kind of hung out down there if you couldn't clear the guy, and there'd be a line of them behind you, and you kind of have to find a hole to get back into.
5: As the, the track cooled off, it went more to super speedway. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like Daytona before they repaved it, uh, where, you know, you go in the corner and look for clean air, and then you'd come off the corner and draft.
2: I thought it was more similar uh, to a, a normal open race, okay. uh, mile and a half. But, you know, you had to be smart like you were in a super speedway. So it was a little bit of a mix of the both. How often would you like to see a package like this utilized in the future? Uh, My opinion is irrelevant. So uh, I'll be happy to race whatever they give us. You do like some of the things you see, and now you've got to get together with the industry, uh, debrief like we always do with the race teams, the drivers, um, certainly listen to the tracks and the fans, uh, and then the OEMs and talk about how do we uh, continue to look at this and look at it in a smart way, look at it in an efficient way. So... Can't really put a timetable on it, Bob, other than we know that uh, we've got some meetings set up uh, that were contingent upon what we saw tonight. Those will take place, uh, and then we'll try to put a timeline together uh, to look towards 2019. And then just real quick, is it fair to say this package could be used again this season? Is that in play? I would never say never but but our intent as we've talked coming into this was to try this here and then really take a deep dive into how do we make this the best package possible for 2019 if we liked what we saw and again it's still very early um, for us you know you all watched a race um, we just watched a race as well so we've got to digest a lot of information and, and see where we go from there
1: it's a topic that everybody's talking about. It's our poll question of the day. Should we take what we saw in the all-star race and use it again this season? And as you can see at the bottom of our screen, 70% overwhelmingly say, yes, we should. You can vote, by the way, NBCSports.com slash vote if you still want to uh, cast your opinion on this whole thing. Jeff, back to what Landon brought up at the beginning of the show. You hear Steve O'Donnell. He has put in a difficult position of trying to figure out how to move this forward in a way that seemingly makes sense for everyone and then you hear the drivers, who it sounds like it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, how would you translate what you think the consensus was for some of these drivers after the race?
3: Well, you could tell they were kind of surprised that they liked it. And, and it, it, when you're a race car driver, you want control of everything. You want, to, you want to be going 210 mile an hour into the corner where you have to come off the throttle, be precise, do everything just right. When you go back to the throttle, where the car is, all those things are very difficult to do. And it's made, these guys make it look easy, but it's not easy. So they want that in their hands. And when you take that out of their hands, that's not what they've grown up doing. They grew up and they've gotten to this position because they had control of their race car. And, and now you take that power away from them and now they're not as in control. And so they were, they were almost surprised that they liked it. And the reason they liked it was because they were involved in it and they knew it was going to be fun to watch. And I promise you, the drivers want people to have fun when they go to the racetrack. At the same time, they want the control in their hands. So it's this mix of, of what I want to do versus what the fans want. And, and you could hear them hesitantly. Most of them are like, yeah, I kind of liked it. But they were afraid to admit it because it really isn't what they want to do.
4: Well, and let's let's not forget, because that is a great point, and let's not forget that they, the drivers have been carrying the high-horsepower, low-downforce flag for a number of years. So it's kind of hard to just all of a sudden say, oh, we cut the horsepower in half, and we like it. So Jeff is absolutely right. I think they reluctantly like it, but I drove it this weekend in the open, and, and I definitely liked it. I think that coming to this weekend, going right back to Charlotte, um, in, in racing, when you make changes on our race car, when we go back and forth, we call it an ABA. And so I think this is a good ABA opportunity. We just ran in Kansas. Then we ran at the All-Star Race with this package. And we're going to go right back to Charlotte. Um, and I think there's some temptations to put this package back for Charlotte. But it, it, it's it's probably going to go back to the, the normal package. And we're going to get to see a comparison two weeks in a row of of the high downforce, low horsepower, and the standard package with less downforce and and more horsepower. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Kevin Harvick has a similar dominant car that he's had in the past. If he stretches out to a six-second lead instead of a six-car length lead, like like we saw in the All-Star race. And that's just going to help kind of build this whole story, this whole case of what NASCAR needs to do and the decisions they need to make.
1: There were some mixed reactions uh, from the drivers. Kyle Larson um, shared his thoughts as well he said i don't love it i don't love it i thought the racing was definitely more exciting than it's typically here at charlotte i'd hate for them to get carried away with it and make us run it at every intermediate track which Landon, that's not what anybody i don't think is saying at this point i mean this is just the beginning discussions of hey should we put this at x y and z track i mean i don't think they want to i don't think the goal is to slow the drivers down all the time right i mean
4: right absolutely and in and." and- NASCAR's been talking about, you know, looking at see you heard Steve in, in the press conference, looking at 2019. And that's kind of their initial thought process right now is where could we implement this in 2019 and what would it look like? And I do think that I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it on track this year. But no, Kyle, it's not gonna be everywhere. You're not gonna have to run it at Chicago, maybe, or or other racetracks. I think the biggest, the next tracks that we really wanna see this package is probably Indy, Pocono, Michigan some of those those big two mile type tracks that that sometimes your only option for an exciting finish is a restart or a fuel mileage type thing so um
3: you know it's good racing and and i wouldn't be surprised if we saw it yeah and and landon i think it's really important to note too so this is an evolution this didn't start this weekend this has been an evolution of more downforce less power less downforce more power We saw the Xfinity package at Indy last year. They're doing that at Pocono, Michigan, uh, Indy this year. That also allows this sport to learn. But if we could, can we put that quote back up from Kyle Larson? Can we pop that back up? Because that, to me, is telling. I mean, that quote is perfect. I don't love it. I don't love it. I thought the racing was definitely more exciting than it typically was here at Charlotte. So what Kyle Larson is saying there is he's a race car driver. He wants to go as fast as he can possibly go. And it is a change of, it is a complete change of philosophy to say, we're gonna slow these cars down in, in being able to be in the throttle almost 100% of the time to make racing better. We can go back and we can say the pole at Charlotte in 1970 was 169 mile an hour. Fine, but they were out of the throttle for a tremendous amount of time because the cars wouldn't handle. Well, now you get the cars slowed down and they do it in a way where it's wide open throttle. And that's not what anybody signed up for. Kyle Larson didn't sign up to come to Charlotte and run wide open. He wants to drive that thing exceptionally fast. He wants to drive it sideways. He he wants to drive the car, not the car drive him. So that's the part where he doesn't love it. The problem is it put on good racing, as he was willing to admit. So there's going to have to be common ground. There's going to have to be a way where maybe you can put more power back in the cars and still give them the ability to draft. Now, that's going to be hard to do. It's easier to do at, po- at Charlotte, I'm sorry, Pocono and Indy because the straightaways are so long. But at Charlotte, you don't have that long a straightaway. So everything that the guy running in second loses because he loses downforce in the corner, in today's configuration, when he gets to the straightaway, he gets no advantage. There's no draft. In this configuration, you may not be better than the guy that's leading, but down the straightaway, you get an advantage because you can draft up to him. So how can we do that and make the cars go faster? That's the next question. If we can find a way to put some speed back into the cars and give the guy in second an advantage somewhere, that's the positive. That's the thing that you can take from this race and, and, and keep building that book. And I think it's important, and I know it's expensive and I know it's not ex- popular with all the car owners, but it's important to go to, to a place like Indy or go to a place like Pocono this year and try something because you're, now you're building your notebook even bigger. And the end goal being create racing that's fun to watch but doesn't mess with the tradition and, and the, the, all the things that NASCAR has always been. And there's a way to do it if the effort continues. And Kyle Larson's quote, that's what he said. That's what he was saying. It was better racing, but I don't love it. How do we get it to where he likes it and it's still better racing?
1: Jeff, I guess I would just counter with, look at the poll. I mean, I understand that the drivers might have a problem with it, but when you have an overwhelming majority of fans, who ultimately, at the end of the day, whose voice should count the most? I mean, if... Hey, I voted
3: yes. I voted yes, (laughs) by the way. Yeah. And I I, I think this should move forward. What I'm saying is that, and I I said earlier in the show, I think we should go with this package to Indy right now, this year. I think that's what should happen. But we have to, the sport... The industry needs to continue to look at how do we met, how do we, uh, this was a big swing. Okay, this was a big swing. Maybe something in the middle makes the most sense. Um, But the mile and a half races have, quite honestly, they've got to be a little better than they've been. And this gives, this is the foot, this is the beginning of being able to do that. And, And I'd be okay if they said, hey, we're going to Michigan like this in a few months. Next month, we're going to Michigan. I'd be okay. I wouldn't be against it. But I do think that we shouldn't look at Charlotte and just say, okay, that's the end answer. There's a way to make it better than it was at Charlotte now that all the drivers have to at least admit that, hey, the racing was better, it was more. I may not like it, but it was better. How can we find common ground? I think it's important to continue to look at it so the fans are happy. The drivers are happy, and the integrity of the sport is where it needs to be. All right, Landon,
1: I want to show you what Kyle Busch had to say after because he spoke exclusively with our Nate Ryan on NBCSports.com, and this is really what he told Nate. I'm not a fan. When the fastest guy gets out front, he's supposed to be able to have an opportunity to be fast. And now when you get the fastest guy out front, he backs up to the rest of the field so everybody's always on top of one another. And when you get back in the pack, you can't pass anybody. It's a restrictor plate race. What is your reaction to that? Do you agree with that?
4: Uh, I disagree with Kyle. I mean, it wasn't a restrictor plate race. Completely, um, the the four car had the best handling car all night. And for me, when we adjusted on my car and got it handling better, I was able to catch up to people, uh, make a run, drive away from the cars that were behind me. But it just it, where Kyle is maybe in a in on the right path and what he's saying, or, or I'll give him a little bit is that yeah, that Harvick didn't just obliterate the field by 10 seconds, but. You know we we need to keep the racing close. We're looking for a package that's going to keep the racing close. I think the dynamic in the sport has changed over the over these years where these packages have changed multiple times. We're talking about it more now than we it seems like we ever have, but we've been changing the packages of these race cars and the horsepower of these race cars for thirty years, but now is it's always been sort of a reaction of manufacturer development and nascar um catching up with those those. Or, or updating the rule book in, in a way in response to what the manufacturers were doing, where now it's more NASCAR saying, okay, what package is going to create the best racing? And that's where maybe it's it's they have more of a balancing act with drivers and owners and fans of, hey, are we manipulating the race or are we putting it in the team's hands to build the best race cars?" So I, I still think that NASCAR is on the right track here. I think that Kyle is also a personality that he's going to be polarizing on it. And you never know. I mean, I guess he won the first race in the COT car, and he got out and he said, <laughs> this thing sucks. So sometimes you just take it with a grain of salt with who it's coming from. And
1: Jeff, let you have the last word on uh, what Kyle Bush had to say? Does anyone
3: think the best car didn't win Saturday? No. It, it, handling still mattered. The guys that did the best job building the cars still mattered. The guys that did the best job driving the car still mattered. Pit stops still mattered. Strategy still mattered. None of that changed. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, that's just a fact. None of that changed. So uh, I understand what Kyle Butch is saying. He doesn't like it. And and his driving style, I don't blame him. I wouldn't like it either. He's one of the top drivers in the series. This benefits some other people. But you can't make me believe that, hey, Roush Fenway started on the front row. Where were they running about 20 laps into the race? Their cars didn't drive good enough to run in the front. Clint Boyer started third. He couldn't get to the back quick enough. His car didn't drive good enough. It wasn't easy. Kevin Harvick said he picked the outside line because his car was not good on the bottom. It didn't handle on the bottom with people on the outside of him. So to act like this was easy and everybody's car handled well, that's not right. Because I watched people have trouble. I watched people spin out. I watched people get into other people. Uh, I don't think it was, is, it was easy. The best team, the best driver, the best strategy won Saturday night. I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, go to NBCSports.com if you want more from Nate Ryan and his conversation with Kyle Busch. Meantime, the people of the poll have spoken. 71% say NASCAR should use this package in other places, and our analysts tend to agree. Coming up, we're going to bring you the first part of our Mission 600 series featuring Austin Dillon and his pit crew who were put through their paces at Fort Bragg. Stay with us.
2: Lap 600 miles. We're ready for the Coke 600.
0: Austin Dillon will gain his first career victory. He'll take the three car back to victory lane.
3: Holy hey, we got to a slide the to grass too, bud. Hell of a job, Austin. Love you, buddy. Love you. Hell of a job, man.
1: Austin Dillon won last year's Coca-Cola 600. And last month, he took part in Mission 600, an initiative from Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Department of Defense. Mission 600 sent NASCAR drivers to see how many members of the armed forces train every day to defend our country. Take a look.
6: Come out and, and hang out with our military men and women. Uh, you know, I'm a huge supporter of our military. It's what allows me to go race on the weekends. They keep our freedom and allow us to do what we get to do.
0: We're on our feet for our troops tonight. It's time to race the 600. The green flag is waving.
6: Just so proud to be out here hanging out with these guys. That's cool. Get and see how they work every day. Push it forward, lock up. And then at that point you would be loaded. There would be a round sitting right here on the bolt face. It's awesome that I gotta bring my team out here because these guys are all about team and working together. Yeah, trust it.
5: Yeah, and then and then that'll do a little safety
6: so your not, doesn't come up. Perfect. Go. air assault.
2: There you go. High air
6: assault. There you go. One more high one. assault. We had a blast repelling down the rappel wall. There you go. Go
0: down, go down. Go ahead, jump <laughs> up. There you go. go. Yo, man.
6: I've always been outdoors my entire life, hunting fishing, and what the Army does is unbelievable. I definitely played a little Army going up, played paintball, loved love the outdoors, so uh, this is special for me. Oh!
0: Yeah, <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs>
6: You know, it's awesome to go to the Coke 600 last year, get our first victory in the Cup Series. He'll
0: take the three car back to victory lane! My
6: gosh, man, I cannot believe it. This year, going back, I got Coca-Cola on the car again and uh, partnered with USO on probably the the biggest day in racing. 600 miles. Charlotte does it right, getting all the military branches out there to show off their colors and, and let us see a show, really. I mean, it's amazing. It's my favorite weekend of the year.
1: And as we get closer to Sunday night's Coca-Cola 600, you'll see more of Mission 600 throughout the week right here on NASCAR America. Kurt Busch, Bubba Wallace, Brad Keselowski, and Alex Bowman getting their own glimpses of life in the armed forces, meeting the brave men and women who serve. Meanwhile, earlier today, Martin Truex Jr. and the 78 team enjoyed a presidential perk for winning last year's championship, and we'll show you their visit to the White House when NASCAR America returns.
5: Keebler, uh, second engineer. Man, it was a fantastic night. Just a prime example of how this team has gelled and worked together. You know, we we had a couple ups and downs all night, but at the end of the day, we had speed and the driver to win it. it. It was a pretty amazing night.
1: Big night for Kevin Harvick, but let's check out what's trending in our social pit stop. We're going to start with Keelan Harvick. He had a question for his dad when he woke up and found his All-Star Race trophy. Uh, where is the money that comes with that thing? He may only be five years old, but he knows what that cash can do. That's a serious trip to Toys R Us. Um, earlier today, President Trump hosted Martin Truex Jr. Sherry Pollux and the entire 78 crew at the White House to recognize the team's 2017 Cup Series championship. Truex presented the president with a replica of last year's championship helmet. Pretty cool. Sweet shades yeah. on Truex. <laughs> Brandon, I know you're a fan. We need to get my man some more stylish sunglasses. And I know uh, the sports world was buzzing about Justify's winning of the Preakton Stakes to set up a bid for the Triple Crown. This is what they make me was do. Was that you that just don't? This is, they send me out into the mud and slop in the infield, which is just a disaster zone. And I can only assume that it's very similar, Jeff, to what happens at Talladega. I mean, it was debauchery out there.
3: Yes, but people at Talladega cannot hold a candle to your hats, Carolyn. Your hats were... Let's see them. Unbelievable. I think we have a look at Thank this. You.
1: Thank you. I'm and- assuming
3: they're still wet.
1: They are, yeah. And Jeff, I heard you had an issue with the one with the gold band. I wanted to let you know that that's actually my mother's. She gave that I to me. I thought it was
3: great. It's yeah. beautiful.
1: No, that, no, that's vintage from the 80s. That actually belongs to her. So if you have an issue with it, I agree with you. The I green could... one, it's
3: more
4: like a roulette dealer type uh, roulette? <laughs> yeah, or blackjack dealer. Uh, are you uh, a millennial?
1: Head on, head on. I'm really confused about <laughs> Get confused about what's happening in this social pit stop. All right, uh, coming up, we're getting out of here. The week, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas all rolled into one for racing fans. Coke 600, NASCAR Hall of Fame, Indy 500. It is the biggest week in motorsports and it's all just getting started. Stay with us.
0: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles.
1: Well, this past weekend was about the hats. Whether you were at the Preakness or attending the Royal Wedding, like Serena Williams, now it's back to business for Serena, though, in Paris for her first major appearance since her return to tennis. The French Open begins Sunday at noon on NBC.
5: woo I thought that was coming. Whew. Crazy what you guys will do for a million bucks. Yeah. You just wait. You'll see a lot more of that. Get ready for this package at Indy, probably, or somewhere. What do you want to do? I don't think there's, we got no tires. We got nothing to do here, just park it. Yeah, all we got is scubs here and a fender. You want to give me the 19th last set? Sure, if you want to get DQ'd,
3: we can. Put an end to this misery. <laughs> I'd like to say we learned something for next week, but I can't even say that.
1: It is a big week on NASCAR America. Tomorrow, reigning IndyCar champ Joseph Newgarden stopping by our Stanford studios to discuss Sunday's Indy 500. Wednesday, we are bringing you live coverage from Charlotte as the NASCAR Hall of Fame class of 2019 is revealed for the first time. And then on Friday, it's a special 90-minute NASCAR America as we preview the biggest day in motorsports with reports from both Indy and Charlotte. That begins at 3.30 Eastern. Plus, tomorrow, Mission 600 featuring Kurt Busch this time with a special guest.
4: period of time like we got to set up security we got to set up our communications so we just trekked through about the veg which is vegetation and it was pretty thick in places so thick they had to just force your way
2: through it our leader did a great job of cutting through
0: we'll initiate the ambush he takes a shot
2: we'll dump some rounds into him we got our plan hey.
5: okay. team out i wonder if the crew out there knows we're going to be coming out here shooting
1: so Parker Clickerman made an appearance, and I'd like to point out he looks completely clean and dry. Not a speck of mud on him. That is going to make for some interesting television tomorrow, Jeff.
3: Yeah, I have to say that the the uh, Parker trying to be a tough Army guy with... <laughs> vegetation just didn't work for me I, I just i just didn't work how many takes do you think it took for him to get that just right or uh that that line
1: and everything that he we can came up say with? this because we know parker and we love him so well he's gonna be busy this weekend and um i heard jeff by the way speaking of important events that you've become quite the hockey fan over the last yes. couple of days is that true huge game it tonight. is
3: tonight go go lightning i am i've turned into a lightning fan my son and i went down to game one of the series and uh, didn't work out well for the Lightning that night, but tonight's a night. Finish them off. Tell us,
4: Jeff, how did you choose the Lightning? How uh, what what drew you to that team? <laughs> they have the best
3: uniforms. Ah,
4: choosing your favorite sports team <laughs> yeah. like any third grader.
1: Yeah, and you're a sports analyst. Is that right for us?
3: Actually, my my uh, our, our primary sponsor, Dex Image, and they're a big supporter of the Lightning. So I have followed their their guidance.
1: All right, we've got pregame coverage for our game tonight coming up at 7 p.m., so just in about an hour's time. Make sure you stay with us right here on NBCSN for that. In the meantime, we'll see you tomorrow. We've got a big show. IndyCar's Joseph Newgarden is here at a special Mission 600. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you then.